um, lead us through administration. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Robert. I've enjoyed the service thus far. Amen. Today, the lightning system is making me look lighter than I usually am. Look, I look very bright and very, very light. Amen. That's wonderful. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning as we come before your holy word. We pray that your word will minister to us in simplicity and in clarity of speech. Thank you, Lord, for what you will do in today's service. In Jesus' name, amen. Over the last three installments, we have learned about Peter's encouragement to the Gentile Christians in the regions of Asia Minor to be specific. And Peter's encouragement uh, was written to them to encourage them uh, for suffering for their faith. Uh, that's what we've learned over the last three Wednesdays. And today, on this last Sunday of the month of May, we would like to wrap up. Uh, please listen and listen carefully. There are different kinds of suffering. Some people suffer because of their foolishness. When I say this, a typical scripture just came into my mind. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 15, I believe I'm right. It says that foolishness is bound in the heart of the child and the rod of correction will drive it away. It's just talking about discipline. You know, discipline is a form of suffering. So sometimes people suffer because of foolishness. Even when it comes to this pandemic, some people have died foolish deaths. Instead of following scientific, proven, and tested methods, like covering your, your, your nose and your mouth and observing the six feet distance. Some believed in conspiracy theories and they are dead. That was a foolish death. That's some sort of suffering. There are some people who have paid the consequences because of their foolhardiness. So sometimes people suffer as a result of folly. There are some too who suffer because of their evil deeds. Apostle Peter made mention of this in chapter 5. In fact, the, the main crux of Apostle Peter's message of First Peter is in chapter 5. And he talked about don't suffer as an evil person or as a sinner. So sometimes there are people who are suffering because of how evil they are. It happens. But there's the third kind of suffering that we need to highlight. And that's why this letter of First Peter is written. People sometimes suffer too because of their faith. You've received Christ as your Lord and personal Savior. So it's important to note that, like I keep on saying, that message that we keep on preaching that when you come to Christ, is going to be the end of all suffering, is going to be the end of all tribulations and testings, that is not entirely true. Last week, we even learned from our presiding bishop in his assuring message, he made us understand that Christians can go through a season of turbulence, but the very assuring part is that Christ will deliver us from all sufferings. We came to understand how passionate the Lord is in delivering his people. Hence, the, the scripture we learned from Mark chapter 4. So, it's very important. Apostle Peter even said it. If you're a Christian, if you are going through any form of turbulence, any form of hardship, don't see it as something strange. First Peter chapter 5, verse 12, that is there. So sometimes we go through the thick of things or we go through it, not because we might be evil or we might have been foolish, but it's just because of our Christian faith. That is very important for us to note that. And when you read First Peter chapter 2, 
one of the things that Apostle Peter encouraged the, the believers was they had to stand firm in hard times and have a winning edge. And how are they going to do that? They will be able to do that if they feed on a steady diet of the word of God consistently. And why do I use the word diet? First Peter chapter 2, verse 1 and 2, it says that desire the sincere milk of the world, the word that you may grow thereby. So you can see that the word there is symbolized as food, which is diet. So as a Christian, if you want to be able to stand firm in times of suffering and you are able to develop a winning edge, it is imperative that we feed steadily, consistently on the diet of God's word, which is also known as the milk. Because when troubles come, it comes to test your establishment in Christ. And sometimes many believers, we can shout hallelujah, praise the Lord. But of a truth, we are shaky because we have not fed ourselves consistently with the word of God that will give us that edge to be able to overcome every troubling situation. So, And, and let me say this, without growth in your Christian faith, you stand no chance in the times of suffering and in the times of hardship. Uh, so desire the sincere milk of the word that you will be firm because growth also means firmness or establishment. So some notes we can take from Peter's epistle. Let's go to chapter two, verse nine to 10. First Peter chapter two, verse nine to 10. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who are not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Pay particular attention to the start of verse 9. It starts with the word but. So it is a continuing statement. So for us to really get the full picture of what verse 9 really entails or encapsulates, it's very important to look at the other side of the statement where but begins. So after Peter had exhorted the saints in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1 to 2, that they should desire the sincere milk of the word that they will grow thereby, Peter also brought to their remembrance that in spite of your pain, in spite of your suffering that you are going through, let me also recount to you and renumerate to you the blessings that you have received as a result of your newfound faith. Peter first and foremost called these Gentile Christians that you are living stones. You are stones of which Christ has now become the chief cornerstone and you have been used to be built as a spiritual house. So the, the two things that we have to note here is that Peter was exalting them. You are living stones. You are part of the people that make up the house of God. And not just that, you are also a spiritual house that you offer sacrifices to God. And like I keep on saying, what makes us a spiritual house? What makes us a spiritual house is the presence of God. In the Old Testament, the tabernacle and the temple, what made it peculiar was the Ark of the Covenant. If the Ark of the Covenant didn't reside there, it ceases being a spiritual house. It will just be another edifice. So 
in, in today's concept, when we call ourselves spiritual house, we are a spiritual house because we carry the presence of God. So Peter made them know that in spite of your suffering, also remember that it hasn't been all that bad when you came into the knowledge of Christ. You have become a living stone out of which Christ has become the chief cornerstone. And you are also a spiritual house. You are a spiritual house to offer sacrifices. So Peter was exhorting them that, and he said that now Christ who had become the chief cornerstone had become a rock, a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense to those that didn't believe him. And those that didn't believe him will be put to shame. But you who have believed in Christ, you that have seen Christ as the chief cornerstone, you are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are his own special people. So you see, Peter was laying the contrast between those who have not received Christ, the chief cornerstone who became a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, versus those who had come to believe. And then now, Peter designated certain titles that were very exclusive and very peculiar to the nation of Israel. When you read Exodus chapter 19, verse 6, what Peter said was something that God told the children of Israel when they had just come out of captivity. In fact, it was their third month out of captivity of the Egyptians. And then the Lord spoke to Moses to tell the children of Israel that I have brought you to myself. That means he had chosen them. You are a kingdom of priests. That means you are a royal priesthood. You are my holy nation and you are my own special treasure above every other nation. That means we are his own special people. So these titles were not just conferred on any other nation. It was very exclusive just to the nation of Israel. But thanks be to God that when God sent Jesus who came to die, he abridged that chasm that existed between the Jews and the Gentiles and that now we can also take these titles upon ourselves. It's no more exclusive to a Jew or to one who may affiliate himself as a descendant of Abraham, but now that those titles also belong to us. We who have received Christ as our Lord and personal Savior under this New Testament, we are a chosen generation. It doesn't just belong to the Jews. We are also a royal priesthood. We are a kingdom of priests. We are his own special people and we are his holy nation. Amen. Now we've touched on three so far and now we are going to look at being God's own special person. But for the purpose of recap, when we talk about we are a chosen generation, that means we are elected. And our election is not by happenstance. Our election is not incidental. It didn't take an incident for God to select us. We've learned from scripture, we were elected based on God's foreknowledge. Before the foundation of the world, God had designated that we will be chosen. So be encouraged that your election is not accidental. It's not incidental. It didn't take an incident for that to happen. It was something that was pre-programmed. 
It was something that was preordained. It was something that was according to the foreknowledge of God. That was before God created the heavens and the earth. He had you in mind that you will be chosen. And that is why we had to go through the pattern and the sequence of events for that to happen. Everything that has happened and that has culminated to us being called born again believers was designed. It wasn't by default. And that is something that we should encourage ourselves with. The Bible lets us know that we are a royal priesthood. And what does it mean to be a royal priest? It means to be called the king's priest. You say a priest is not really a royal. But the reason why we are a royal priesthood is because we are in service to the king. That's entirely different from Revelation chapter 1 verse 6 where the Bible says that he has made us both kings and priests. Well, when we look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, that is not necessarily talking about. It's just talking about we are priests in service to the king of kings. And then we learn about the sacrifices, the different sacrifices. One of the reasons why we are called priests is what we have direct access to God. So you are a priest or a priestess. Why? Because you have access to the throne room of God. You have direct access. It's not by proxy. You don't need to go through a mediator. But when we receive Christ as our Lord and personal Savior, we have access. That's why we are called priests. And most importantly, we also offer sacrifices. One common feature of the Old Testament priests was that they offered sacrifices. And in our, in our time, we also offer sacrifices. It is not of bulls and goats and bullocks, but it's a different sacrifice. And we've learned about four kinds of sacrifice, our bodies. We present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. We've learned about doing good. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 15. The Bible says that we should do good for God is interested and pleased with such sacrifices. That's one of the things we have to know. Doing good is a form of sacrifice. Now, we've also learned about praise. The Bible said that we should offer to God continually the sacrifice of praise, which is by the fruit of our lips. Praise. So what we did this morning before the preaching came was a form of sacrifice. And then the last thing is our money. Philippians chapter 4. Paul exalted Epaphroditus for bringing the money to him, and he called it a sacrifice. And then let me give you the fifth thing, Christ. We are supposed to present to this dying world, Christ, the sacrificial lamp. So when we are talking about making Christ known, one of the ways we can make Christ known to anybody outside the church is to make him known as the sacrificial lamp who has atoned and who has remitted the world of the sins, that God has now reconciled the world to himself by his son, Jesus Christ. We have to offer Christ as the sacrificial lamb to the world, and that's also a sacrifice. Amen. So five kinds of sacrifices. Our bodies, doing good, praises, our money, and then offering Christ to this world as the sacrificial lamb who has taken away the sins of the world. Amen. So now let's look at the fourth one now. 
we are his own special people. What makes us special? We are special because we belong to God. That's what makes us special. Have you ever realized that when you go to a museum, it's filled with quite ordinary things? You might see a hat there, a cane there, a shoe there. I don't know how many of you may like going to museums. But the reason why those things are such a big deal is because they, they are of quite significance because they belong to someone famous. That's all. So maybe you see a shoe in the museum, they will say somebody like Charlie Chaplin won it and that's why it's there. You may see a pen there, then they will say somebody like William Shakespeare. This was the pen he used to write Macbeth. And that's why it's special and that's why it's in the museum. Well, when we say that you are God's own special people, it paints the picture of that because we belong to God. We have some significance. We are not just ordinary human beings just walking on the earth. We are people that God has a stamp of approval. We are people that God has given us his seal, which is the Holy Spirit. We are people that we've been earmarked for a greater destiny. And that destiny is that after the end of this age, we will reign and rule with Christ in the new Jerusalem. We, we, we've been earmarked because we have the Holy Spirit upon us. We have so many blessings upon us that makes us special. We are his own special people. So thanks be to God that it's not only the Jews who are the special people of God. We are also his own special people. And why are we special? On the inception of receiving Christ our Lord, on the inception of not allowing Christ the chief cornerstone to become a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense. We believed and we received them. And when we received them, one of the afforded blessings upon us is that we too are his own special people. Amen. Christ died for us. We are special. God loves us. We are special. We are the apple of his own eye. We are special. Christ has blessed us with every New Testament blessing. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3. The Bible lets us know, Blessed be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every, not some, not majority of, not almost. He's blessed us with every blessing in heavenly places in Christ. That is why we are special. The Holy Spirit now lives in us that now we are the temple, that we are now a spiritual house. That is why we are special. Christ has gone to prepare a place for us. John chapter 14, when we do our John series and when we start chapter 14, we will learn about that. He has prepared a place for us. He's gone to prepare a place for us. Do you know how special you are for God to go and prepare a place for you that he will come and take you back to your future abode? We are special. We will reign with him forever and ever after the end of this age. That is why we are special. Our bodies will change. First Corinthians chapter 15. The Bible lets us know that that which is corruptible will put on incorruptibility and that which is mortal will put on immortality. That is why we are special. We are its own special people. So today, I don't know what you may be going through. I don't know the suffering, the season of turbulence that you are you're going through. Just 
put your mind back and remember and recount every blessing that you have received as you have come into the knowledge of Christ that you are special. Be encouraged. If there is one thing that you will have to learn this morning, know that you are special. Therefore, whatever you are going through is just for a season. Hold on. Now today, we have known God's plan and mind concerning us. That we are a chosen generation. We are a royal priesthood. We are his own special people. And least I forget a very important point. We are his holy nation. We've been set apart. The concept of holiness in the Old Testament was relegated to articles or things that belong to the temple. So things like the candlestick, the menorah, it was set apart. That's what it means, holy. Things like the garment of the priest. It wasn't something that you wear every day. It wasn't common. It was just some few people that were that is set apart. Things like the altar, where the sacrifice was laid upon. You couldn't lay any sacrifice there. It was set apart. That was holy. But now God has taken that concept of holiness from inanimate objects and has now applied it to us living beings who are living stones. We are holy. We've been set apart. And I keep on telling you, if you want to understand holiness, look at the kitchen shelf. The top cabinet of the kitchen shelf, you will see the finest china, the finest plates, the finest glasses. They are never used until special occasions. Thanksgiving could be one of them. Or a very important visitor will come and those glasses and those nice or fine china will come down because they've been set apart. It's holy. So when God calls us holy, he has set us apart, not for anything common, but to do the master's use, to be of the master's use, to do the master's work. That is why we are holy. Now, the question is, why has God given us these blessings, which was once exclusive to Israel? I'll give you the answer. It is for a reason. Hence the title of our series, For This Reason. We are a chosen generation. We are a royal priesthood. We are a holy nation. We are his own special people for a reason. The end of these blessings is not to gloat, to boast, to rejoice, and just to be happy. It is for a reason. And what is the reason? Look at the latter part of verse 9. That you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So, this is the end goal of the blessings of God upon us. The blessings that were once conferred exclusively to the children of Israel, that now belongs to us that we can rightfully take possession of, has been given to us so that we can proclaim the praises of God who has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. I like one of the translations, CEV, Contemporary English Version. This is what it says. Now you must tell all the wonderful things he has done, the scripture says. Let me read it again. 
Now you must tell all the wonderful things he has done. The scripture says. So when we say that we are supposed to proclaim the praises of God who has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. It simply means that we have to tell of the world the wonderful things God has done. We have to tell of the blessings that God has done upon us. We have to tell of God's gratuitousness and God's graciousness towards us, what he has done. Making Christ known also means that giving a testimony of all the wonderful things that you have experienced. And I believe that each and every one of us here listening to me has personally a testimony of what God has done for you through Christ. You have a testimony of what God has done for you through Christ. All of us have one. It's, it can be relative, and we should not be ashamed to testify. So in this case, the reason why we have received these designations upon us is for us to make Christ known. We have been blessed to be a blessing. And in this case, how will we become a blessing? We will become a blessing by opening our mouth and telling people of the wonderful things that God through Christ has done in your life. Let people know of the blessings and the privileges of the New Testament of which you have been afforded. Don't be ashamed to testify. Telling people the gospel is also a testimony or testifying. So when we are talking about preaching, another form of preaching is called testimony or testifying. We have to testify of God's goodness towards us. Testify of God's goodness concerning our lives. Let people know that once I was a sinner, but now I've been saved by grace. I was once condemned, but I've been afforded the gift of righteousness. I had no way of which I could approach God, but thanks be to God that when I receive Christ, I can approach him in boldness and come to the throne of grace. We have to let people know of what God has done in our lives. C-E-V, tell of the wonderful things that Christ has done. Hallelujah. And that's what we are supposed to do. We have to testify to the masses, verse 10, that we were a people, we were not a people, but now are a people. We have to testify to the masses that we had not obtained mercy, but now we have obtained mercy. We have to let people know of the goodness, of the benefits of ascribing to this Christian faith. So we've been blessed to testify. We've been blessed to make him known. We've been blessed to let people know of the blessings, the privileges of experiencing the new covenants. Sometimes the deliverance that will come out of our hard times is testifying of what God has done. Yes, you might be going through it, but can you shift your eyes off whatever you might be going through now and just begin to testify of what God has done in your life. And when you do that, watch God begin to come through. And just like we learned last week, I I pray that everybody should just listen to last week's message again. Be encouraged that in any season that might be so unpleasant in your life presently, Christ is passionate just as he was passionate as dying on the cross for us, he has exuded that same passion to deliver us out of every trouble, every circumstance that we will experience 
a winning edge. That we will experience victory. That we will experience freedom. When we go through hard times, hard times are not meant to kill us, but sometimes it's meant to reveal the deliverance, the hand of God, and the good intent that God has for us. That he doesn't have plans of evil for us, but he has plans of good. He will give us a future and he will give us a hope. That is why perhaps you might be going through the season that you are going through. You have to know that as a believer, your deliverance from every unpleasant situation is sure banker. It, it, is, it is bound to happen and, and it's, it's, it, you can place it to the bank. But what we have to focus on more is that let's shift our eyes off maybe the not so pleasant situation and begin to tell people of the wonderful things that God has done in our lives. We have been blessed for a reason and the reason is to let people know of the goodness. The reason is to let people know of the privileges. The reason is to let people know of the blessings that God has done for us. All of us have a testimony. And sometimes you don't have to go with John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. Sometimes you just have to go with your testimony. I couldn't sleep. I was an insomniac. But when I received Christ as my Lord and personal Savior, He's given me that peace that can now make me sleep. Each and every one of us begin to recount the blessings that Christ has afforded you ever since you found this new faith and testify. So don't let us stop at recounting. Rehearse it, recount it, but testify. Make it known. In our season of making Christ known, it's important for us to tell people of the wonderful things that God has done for us. Let's make it known. Some people are strung high on drugs. Let's make it known to them. Some people are jumping from relationship to relationship, seeking for that inner peace, that inner contentment, that fulfillment. Make it known. Some people feel like committing suicide. Make the wonderful things that Christ has done in your life known. You could be the lifeline. To someone's destiny. Make it known. Make it known. So this week, prayerfully decide on one person who needs to hear your testimony of how good God has been to you. Can you do that? That would be our assignment. Pray about it. Just one person. Out of all my friends I know, out of my family members. Out of the numerous work colleagues I go on lunch breaks with and we laugh and, you know, we have a vibe. Just one person. Out just one person. Prayerfully consider. Lord, show me that one person I need to tell them of your goodness towards me. Because scripture has told me I have been made a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, holy nation, his own special person or we have been made his own special people why so that we can proclaim we can preach we can publish the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous lights make it known prayerfully consider and make it known 
Let somebody know how good God has been to you. For some of us, we could testify. We used to be sick, but now we are enjoying good health. For some of us, we could testify. We used to be subjected to bad dreams and nightmares, and we could not close our eyes to even sleep. But now, thanks be to God, Psalm 127 verse 2b has been fulfilled in our lives. He gives his beloved sleep. Testify. Testify of the goodness. I used to be very intimidated. I used to be very shy. But thanks be to God, ever since I received him into my life, I have a certain kind of boldness in my life. Testify. Testify of God's goodness. Ever since you came into this faith, what has God done? For some of you, you were under condemnation, but you've been liberated. For some of you, you were under bondages, but you've experienced deliverance. Testify. Everybody's testimony is relative, but one way or another, let us testify of the goodness that God has done in our life. Allow and let God use you this coming week to that one person. Because you may be the key to unlocking someone's destiny. And what is destiny? I keep on shifting your mind to destiny here in a Christian context. We will reign with Christ. We will live with him in the, in the age to come. That's destiny. There, there is not a, nothing higher than that destiny. So today, your testimony could unlock someone's destiny to reign with Christ that he might also experience the resurrection of Christ. Let's make Christ known. We have been blessed for this reason. And this is the reason. Tell, publish, testify, make it known the goodness of God. Come with us and we shall do you good. Have you experienced the goodness of the Lord? If you have truly experienced the goodness of the Lord, I charge you to prayerfully consider and make that testimony or that news known to just one person. Just flow. Just flow. Don't resist the move of God. Amen. Let's enter into a time of worship. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Worship the Lord as Minister Lily is giving us the song soon. Thank you, Lord. Kadobo sahatin damida losi antorobo shikada bosi kantari basuya dakada. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Sing this worship song that we used a few minutes ago with meaning now, understanding what you heard.
Listen. Can you not testify of God's faithfulness? Think about it. Can you not testify about how good the Lord has been to you? Can you not testify of you receiving his mercy? Can we not lift our voice and sing the goodness of God? I believe all of us, one way or another, have a testimony. I believe one way or another, all of us can attest to the words of this song. Therefore, Lord, we yield ourselves to your move. Holy Spirit, flow through us for that one person. That one person needs to hear the wonderful things that you've done for us. That one person needs to hear your faithfulness, your goodness, your mercies that you have extended and shown us. That one person needs to hear it. That one person needs to hear of our election that we've been chosen. That one person needs to hear that we are priests at the king's service. That one person needs to hear that we are holy. That one person needs to hear that we are his own special people. We are his own special treasure. That one person needs to hear that we are the apple of your eye. That one person needs to hear that we have direct access to God. Once upon a time, we didn't have access, but now we have access. That one person needs to hear. That one person needs to attest to the to, to the words, the lyrics of the song called the goodness of God. That one person needs to hear. That one person even, we can even play that song to them as a form of our testimony. That one person needs to hear it. Lord, give us that boldness. Oh, deliver our lips from trembling. Give us that boldness. For you even told your disciples, when you stand before kings and when you've been persecuted, don't worry about the words you speak. I'll give them to you. And Father, as we avail ourselves to be used of you, as we avail ourselves for service, give us the words. Just give us the words, O Lord. May utterance flow that we will be able to shamelessly talk about how good you've been to us. In Jesus' name. We thank you, O Lord, that we've now understood the reason for the blessing. Thank you. We obey your word and we will flow. Amen. Amen.